And Elijah was doing what the Lord had moved him or showed him to do. And that he was doing the work of the Lord wherever he was at. And then all of a sudden it seemed like the Lord spoke to him so that he could go and intervene in the life of King Ahaziah. Ahaziah. Um, He was the king of the northern kingdom. And here Elijah is minding his own business, doing the ministry, doing what he is supposed to be doing. And then because he's in God's will and doing those kinds of things, it's almost as if God says, hey, I need you to go from there and I need you to go and meet up with this king. There's some stuff that's going on over there in the king with the king and I need you to be my spokesman. And I'm sure Elijah was busy doing what he was doing about his father's business, doing all those things, just being obedient to the Lord. And so when the Lord calls him to go do something that's out of the ordinary, he doesn't refuse, he doesn't fight against it. He knows that it's the Lord because he, I, I could imagine if he is a prophet of the Lord, if he is somebody that, that wants to do the will of God, that he's on the daily asking him, Lord, what do you want from me today? How do you want to use me? What, what's my purpose? What, 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 what is there for me to do? More than what I'm doing right now? Go for it, Lord. Just call me. Just tell me what to do. And all of a sudden, the Lord says, Hey, I need you to go over and, and, and speak to this king. I have a message for him because he's plotting all this other stuff. And so again, he is obedient to the call of the Lord. When we are asking for God, to use us or to minister to our hearts, then be ready for him to say, are you really serious about this? Because if you are, then I need some some availability. (laughs) And if you're available, I will use you. And I know oftentimes we, we, we don't feel like we have the ability to go be used. But if you're available, he will give you the, the, the ability to go and minister for him. And so we see that in Elijah that he goes and puts himself in a place that his own life now becomes jeopardized, threatened, if you will. Again, here's a guy doing his stuff, a professor at a Bible college or whatever he might be doing. But being open to the Lord, and now all of a sudden, the king's very upset at him. And he sends guys to go and get him. And I love the fact that <clears throat> we saw the Lord deliver him, miraculously deliver him from any harm. And so tonight, we finish off the ministry, his ministry. He is about to pass off the mantle to his successor. This is an incredible chapter. I just hope I could do it some justice, right? It's an incredible chapter because we're going to see the Lord do amazing things in this chapter that you're just going, are you kidding me? And guys, as we look at stuff like this and we think, well, that was only for back then. God doesn't do miracles like that today. I'm here to tell you, he still does. As we read in, in James that Elijah was just a man, just like you and I. And we think, nah, he was used of the Lord. Well, he just opened himself up to be used of the Lord, and the Lord used him. But he was a man just like us. 
He has the same spirit. The same spirit that dwelt in him was the same one that dwelt in, in Peter, James, John. All those guys is the same one that, he is, he, it, that has lived throughout all our church fathers. It's the same spirit that lives in us today. And so we look at this chapter and we see some amazing things. And God, God is still ready and willing to do a work if you're ready and willing to open yourself up. And so the first <clears throat> 11 verses, it says, And it came to pass, when the Lord was about to take, take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha to, from Gilgal. Then Elisha, Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to, unto Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as my soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from, from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as my soul, your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was, when they had crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you? Before I am taken away from you, Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked, that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went by a whirlwind into heaven. Whoa. Is that a crazy story? It, it, it says back in verse 1, as we head back to verse 1, 
that it came to pass. Now, verse 1 kind of sets the stage for what is going to happen, for what we just read. It sets the stage of the story and, and all that it happens in that little uh, uh, dialogue that they have in their journeying and all that stuff. Now, it has been about 10 years since Elijah and Elisha teamed up together. Back in 1 Kings chapter 19, when Elijah is coming back from the, 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 the trip that he ta- took after Jezebel was after him, as he's coming back, he notices Elisha, that he is with his oxen. And he calls him and he says, hey, follow me. And what he was saying as a prophet, hey, I want you to be one of my disciples. I want you to follow after me. And it was from that time forward till this time. It's been about 10 years. Now, we haven't heard much about Elisha. And we've heard some things about Elijah being on the scene. Elijah has been in and out of the story that we've been covering. But that's not to say that Elisha was not with him when he was in the ministry, going here and there. It's not to say that this guy was somewhere else away from him. It just doesn't mention that he's with them. I I truly believe that because this guy said, hey, you follow me. And because of what we'll read in verse 12. That Elijah had become Elisha's father in the faith. His mentor, if you will. And even though he's not being mentioned, I believe that he's tagging along everywhere he goes, as we see in the story tonight. When he says, hey, I need you to stay here. He's going, uh uh I ain't staying behind. I know what God does in your life, so I want to be in the mix. I want to see all that God has. See, I think oftentimes, and, and, and we're going to see that there's some testing kind of going on here in, 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 in this whole little story. And it almost seems like Elijah can't shake this guy off. He's like a tattoo. He can't get rid of him. He's like gum underneath your, your sandal. Can't get rid of him. And this guy's going, no, man, wherever you go, I'm going to go. And so, again, as he's in and out of the narrative, going from here to there, it doesn't mean that Elisha was not tagging along with him, watching all that God was doing. And I think that's an amazing thing, to be able to go do ministry, to be able to, to, to come together and have a co-laborer with you, a flunky, if you will. <laughs> not really, not a flunky, but yeah, a flunky. Somebody that's saying, hey, man, I just want to see what you do. How, how does ministry work? How, what, what, what do you do? <laughs> or when you go out to, to street witness and you have a partner with you. You know, that, 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 that you have somebody with you, a co-laborer, if you will. Someone that will come along and, and just support you and be there while you're doing this, while you're doing that. They're just in the background praying for you. That God would be doing stuff. And, 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 and who knows, there might be a time when all of a sudden the roles are reversed. That all of a sudden, your mentor becomes the one that's prompting you up to say, hey, why don't you go and do that stuff? You've watched me long enough. I know some, like some of the guys here, man, the funerals that I go do and stuff. I mean, I tell some of these guys, even the sound guy, man, it's like, you could do a funeral that I do. <laughs> You've been with me long enough that you know how to put these things together and how to do these things. And that's what it means that when we, when we ask somebody, hey, why, why don't you tag along, man? Why don't you come with us? 
Why, why, why don't you get in, ingrained a little bit so that you could see what's going on? And all of a sudden, man, you're, you're, you're in the mix. That's the way this, this whole little story kind of looks like. That as Elijah has been getting the credit, has been doing the work, Elisha has been right there with him. All along. Elisha was Elijah's assistant, if you will. And then it says that then the Lord, when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind. Now, I don't know for sure if this is just part of the narrative that we as the readers get to read of what's going to happen. Or, or, or I don't know if, if in fact these, both of these men knew exactly how he was going to be taken in a whirlwind. It could be just that it was for our benefit or the writer is writing this because he's telling us what's about to happen. But what we do know is that they did know that 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 day was Elijah's last day on earth. The way they were talking. It, It seems like the Lord was revealing it even to the sons of the prophets wherever they went. And how they came and say, hey, you know, today's the day. So for some reason, they knew that it was Elijah's last day here on earth. Which begs the question, if you knew that this was your last day on earth, would you change anything? Would you, would you just go about your day Or would you change anything? You know, it's interesting because we see what's going on here. And it seems like Elijah, he knew that today was his last day, but he had places to go and people to see. It doesn't tell us that he had a family, that he had to go say goodbye to them. It doesn't say that he had relatives, that he had to go and spend those last days with them, that last day. He knew that the, that day was his last day, and he had to go from here to there to there, and then wherever else he was going to go. I, I know that most of us would, would say or, or be sure to put things in order if you knew that today was your last day. You'd go, geez, I shouldn't be sitting here. I should be putting things in order, making sure all this is in place. Probably making sure that you call your loved ones and, and making sure that you say, I love you because I won't be seeing you from here on out. I think most of us would, would say something like that. But the fact of the matter is, <laughs> we never know when our last day is. And we should already have everything in order. We should already have told our loved ones and those people close to us how much we appreciate them and love them because we, 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 we might not come home that night or that day. And so again, I, I, I look at Elijah and he's not going, oh geez, today's my last day. <laughs> I got a lot of stuff I got to take care of. It's like, no. I think if anybody was ready to die and knew that his time was up, was, up, was Elijah. It's like, 
oh, today's my last day. I still got to go visit those prophets and then those prophets and those guys. I just want to go minister to them. And then we'll see what happens from there. <laughs> I don't think he changed anything. And I just thought, man, can we kind of get to that place as believers that we would have things so much in order already that if God told you, hey, today's your last day, you're going, oh, I got to go to work today. Planned a nap at about 12 o'clock. I'm going to take that nap still. <laughs> you know, that you would be in such a place that you're going, I'm cool. I'm ready to go. That we would all be in a place like that. And if you're sitting there and you're going, there's all these people that I have these grudges against. There's all these people that I haven't said this. There's all these things that I haven't done. Get them done because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. You don't. <clears throat> he went on to do what he already had planned to do because he had always been about his father's business. And there was nothing else to do but to do his will. The words take up that are used here, they carry words like rise up, ascend up, bring up, carry up, fetch up, leap, levy, lift up. With the connotation of at once, it's going to happen that quick. You know, as I was looking at that, it just kind of reminded me like of the rapture, you know, that, that we've studied about. That, that it was a snatching up, that it was, it's a violent taking by force. Now again, he's already set the story for us. We already know what happens in verse 11. But it's telling us that this man, Elijah, is not going to see death, not like everybody else. Because it's not speaking about dying, it's about someone who's going to just be caught up, taken out. And, but he's not the first one that that's happened with. If you remember back in, in, in Genesis, there was a man by the name of Enoch. And the Bible says that he walked with God and he was not because the Lord took him. The, the, that man, it seemed like they, they, he, he just walked so close to God that God goes, just come up here. You're not even going to see death, man. Come on up. And Elijah is one of those guys that didn't see death. And it's interesting because when you go to the book of Revelation that we studied last year, we see about these two witnesses that get killed, and one of them is believed to be Elijah. Now, others think that the other guy is Moses. Now, Moses, he's kind of fishy because nobody knows where he died or where he's buried. Because it says that, the, that he went up to the mountain and the Lord buried him. It's like, why are you messing with us? Was he another one that you just kind of took out of the way and he didn't see death? Because again, those two witnesses are thought to be Elijah and Moses. They are also the ones <laughs> that, that, that were at the mountain of transfiguration ministering to Jesus. Now, others do think that one of the second witnesses will be Enoch. Because the Bible does say that it is accounted for man to die once and then the judgment. Those two cats haven't really died, died. But they're in heaven. They're wherever. So, here we see a man who is going to be taken up and not see death. 
Again, it just kind of reminds me of what we're expecting as a church, that we're not going to see death. We're going to be snatched up, taken away violently in the rapture. To ever, so, so we can forever be with him. Now the word whirlwind, again, we're going to get through the rest of the chapter. We're still in verse 1. The ver- <laughs> whirlwind, the word whirlwind in the Hebrew means hurricane. So there was a hurricane coming. And there was going to be a whirlwind of a ride for him. He was going to be taken. And so it says that it came to pass. So if it's just for the reader that it tells us when the Lord was about to take Elijah up in a whirlwind. If that's just for us, then it could be read like this. Verse 1. And it came to pass that Elijah went with Elisha to Gilgal. Now, Gilgal, (laughs) there is a Gilgal that is just north of Jericho. And some believe that this is another Gilgal (laughs) that was located about seven miles northwest of Bethel. Which would make sense. But then again, not everything makes sense in the word. (laughs) But, But here we see that if he goes from Gilgal that was above Jericho, he would travel about 15 miles west and then have to travel another 15 miles back to Jericho because they're going to end up in Jericho. But it does tell us that he went down or he came down to Bethel in verse 2. So here we see several tests. And some traveling. And again, I kind of let you know that there's two Gilgals, whichever one it is. One of them, he would have to travel 15 miles and then another 15 miles. The other one, only seven miles south. Um, And then they would end up at Jericho, which would end up being a trip of either 22 miles or 30 miles. And I share that with you uh, because, again, a normal day of travel would be 20 miles. But there's nothing normal about these guys anyway. So I don't know. Maybe they just hurried up to get to these places. And then we would see another five miles from Jericho to the Jordan. So in this day that it is his last day, he has a lot of traveling to do. He has to stop at these places. Now you can look up these cities like Gilgal, like Bethel, like like Jericho and even the Jordan. And there's some significance that, that is associated with all those cities of what God has done throughout the ages, or even before this, that would bring to remembrance why he had to go from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho to the Jordan. And so that would be for another study. Now the Lord was calling Elijah to move from place to place. And three different times, Elijah told Elisha to stay behind. And I said that these were a series of tests for Elisha. So was Elisha being disobedient to his mentor and to the Lord for that matter? Or was his mentor and the Lord for for that matter testing Elisha? Because you see, there's a huge difference of being disobedient 
and being tested. Here, Elisha says, hey, Elijah says to Elisha, I need you to stay behind or you stay behind. He didn't say I need you to stay behind. I got to go over here. And Elijah says, not on your life, man. I can't. I can't stay behind. I have to go with you. Now, was the Lord testing him? Was Elisha testing him? Are you willing to go the distance? If, you're going, if you are going to be one of my assistants, uh, that you're going to be following in my footsteps, are you willing to go the distance? Are you willing to put the work in? Are you willing to go the extra mile? So again, was he, was he being disobedient? I just want to be in the mix? Or was he being tested and he's going, no. If you're calling me, if God's calling me to follow after you, then I'm going to go wherever you go. There's no way I'm going to miss out on what God is doing. And I think oftentimes, even as believers, God, God tests us. And I think oftentimes we're just disobedient. Where God's saying, hey, I need you to sit and wait. And you're going... No, I'm going to get going. And God's going, man, when are you going to learn? I need you to sit and wait. But there's other times that God's going, hey, if you just want to sit there, just sit there. But I'm going to go do this stuff. And you're going, oh, okay. (laughs) You're going, you're missing out. God's going, you know, that was a test (laughs) to see if you would go, but Lord, I want to be used of you. I don't want to just sit here. I want to be moving. I want to be doing your will. And if the church is moving in that direction, or if you're moving in that direction, I want to be in the mix of it, Lord. You see, there's oftentimes those tests in our lives, and those are the things that we have to be seeking the Lord about. And I don't think in any way that Elisha was being disobedient. I believe this was a test for him. Because the Lord knew what he had in store for him. And if he would have just said, well, okay, I'll I'll stay here. I think it would have really spoken to Elijah about who this assistant was. I also believe (laughs) that that if Elijah, Elisha, would have just stayed behind, this would have been the end of what we hear about him. I truly believe that. I think God would have just put him on the shelf and said, man, you're not willing to put in the work. You're not willing to sacrifice. You're not willing to go the extra mile or travel the distance with me. I truly believe he would have been irrelevant from here on out. Just because he thought, okay. Instead of asking, Lord, are you sure? Because I want to be in the mix of it, Lord. I want to be in the thick of it. Good, bad, or ugly, Lord. I, I want to do what you're doing. And I want to see your work. Can you imagine if he would have stayed behind? He wouldn't have been able to see what God was going to do with his mentor. For sure he would have never gotten the mantle, (laughs) as we're going to see. And so each time that he goes to these places, that the sons of the prophets... (laughs) They go to him. They don't go to Elijah and say, hey, man, today's the day you're dying or the day you're getting taken away. They go to Elisha and say, hey, man, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from over you today? And he just turns around and says, shut your mouth. Zip it, man. I don't want to. Don't don't remind me of that. More than likely, it was more like he said, 
Do not add to my sorrow at the prospects of reminding me of it. How do I hear that? I'm already bummed out that I'm going to lose my, my mentor. The picture here is not that he was excited that more than likely he would be taking Elijah's spot. But there was a sadness, a heaviness that he was losing his mentor in his life. Someone who's been in his life for about 10 years now. Someone who has poured into him. Someone who said, hey, come along with me, flunky. Come on, man, you just hang out with me. I'll teach you everything. You just watch what God does. Because Elijah was a man that was willing to put himself out there and he was willing to have a protege like this young man to say, hey, follow me, man. Follow me. Let's follow the Lord together. There was a sense of sadness within this man that he was losing his mentor, his friend. He knew that it was inevitable that he would one day die, but that he knew that day that he would be taken away from him. I don't think he was rejoicing in it. In the end, as Elisha and Elijah headed towards the Jordan, 50 of the sons of the prophets stood watching as these two men walked together. What a sight that must have been as you see these two godly men walking towards the Jordan. Can you imagine what was going on? It doesn't tell us what the conversation was. As they're headed to the Jordan, and there's no bridge there. (laughs) But they know that they have to get to the other side. I wonder if he's just looking at him going, Hey, young pup, you're going to see God do an amazing work right now, dude. You just stick really close by me. I mean, what was he telling him? Or maybe Elijah's, Elisha's going, um, yeah, we're headed towards the Jordan. We're right like at the bank. What are we doing? It's like taking off his mantle. Just watch. Watch what God's going to do. It says, now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, struck the water, and it was divided this way and that. And so the two men crossed over in muddy ground. No, don't say muddy ground. In dry ground. Oh my goodness gracious. Now a mantle is an outward or an outer garment that they would put on. And, and a lot of the prophets would wear these kinds of mantles. But a lot of people wore them. And, and, and as I was picturing it and reading about a mantle, it was almost like those ponchos that you, you see they put over. They don't have sleeves, but they just kind of go over. And they're like a multi-use garment. You know, you could use it to, to cover with. You can use it to, to lay down in or, or, or spread out or cover with. You can roll it up, use it as a pillow. There's a lot of practical things that you can do with a mantle. Or you can roll it up and hit the water. And apparently when you roll it up and hit the water... It divides. (laughs) Well, maybe this one in particular. Maybe it wasn't the garment. Maybe it was the man who had the faith behind the garment that, that realized this is the power of God. And this is what I'm going to show you, Elisha. 
that God is still as powerful as he was because all of this is reminiscent of the children of Israel when they got to the Red Sea and God parted the waters. Or when they got to the promised land and God parted the the Jordan one other time like that. Now, again, I, I, I don't know about rivers and waters and stuff. I just know that that's not normal. First of all, that you would take off a piece of clothing and hit it, and then it does that. But can you imagine all the force of a Jordan flowing from, from up north from the Sea of Galilee all the way down to the Dead Sea? And how is it that that thing is going to stand up and wait until these two cats cross over? I don't know how far it is. I don't know how it is. But it's, it, it, dry, it, it, it splits open, but it dries the land as well. And these guys walk on dry land. Again, God going before them. God going, hey, you want to see me work? Let me see, let, let me show you what I can do here. And it's not like it doesn't tell us that they're all muddy and it's like, oh, geez, man, this is not. Man, it was dry ground all the way across. God had already prepared it for them. Again, just showing how powerful God is. How mighty he is. And he is the same today. Because he does miracle after miracle after miracle. It wasn't the mantle. It was the power of the guy who, who, who understood what this was all about. The power of God. And God showed up. And it says that they crossed over. And, and when they got to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, ask. Ask, what may I, give, what my, what may I do for you before I am taken from you? Ask. Just ask. What do you need from me? Again, there's a hundred things, man, that you might, it's like, dude, let me have that mantle, dude. Give me the numbers for the lotto. I don't know. Um, what would you be asking for if God said to you, ask? Ask. What, what, what do you want? What do you need from me? And I love the fact that Elisha does not go crazy. All he says is like, I want a double portion. That's what I want. And now you're thinking, that's a tall order, Brostein. That's a lot for you to be asking. Now, understand, when he's asking this, he's not saying, hey, I want to be twice as popular as you. I want twice as much power as you. He's not asking those things. Although, as I'm reading that, I'm saying, why not ask? (laughs) You asked, why not tell you this is what I want? I want a double portion. I want more of what you've got. I think oftentimes God asks us, what do you want? And we, we, we like trivialize it or we like, well, I don't want to bother you too much. And he's going, ask me. Ask me what you need. I will give it to you. I, I, I will give you more than what you could ask or think. I will give it to you. I will give it to you in in abundance. I will not hold back. That's who our God is. Now understand, again, he's not asking for for double fame, double this, double that. What he is asking, even though it kind of sounds like that, what he is asking is he wanted what was allotted to him as if he was his firstborn son. Because the firstborn always got a double portion. And what that meant was in his inheritance, 
He would take the spot of his father who would be dying. And so when his father died, when a father died, he left the oldest, the firstborn, a double portion. Not so much of material stuff, but of power and authority over the family. And so in essence, what Elisha is asking for is like, I want to step into your shoes. I will take the responsibility that you have had. I followed close behind you. And if I could be half the man as as you are, (laughs) that's what I want. And it's interesting because he says, man, you're, you're asking something really hard. But the reason it was really hard for him is because it wasn't his to give. That was dependent on the Lord. So he says, you're asking for a difficult thing. Elisha did not know if God would grant Elisha that request. And so he says, if, (laughs) if you see me be taken away, if you see that part, if you're there with me, if you've gone the extra mile, if you've gone all, all the way with me, if you see this, then you will have a double portion. Or it will be so. But if not, it shall not be so. This sign that God would, would grant it to him would be that if Elijah actually, Elisha actually saw him being taken up. And the condition, it's not a condition that Elisha would receive the double portion, but it was the evidence that he would receive the request that he asked for. And in verse 11, it says, Then it happened as they continued on and talked, and suddenly chariots of fire, a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two. And Elijah went up, and the world went into heaven. As these two friends walked and talked together, a fiery chariot, drawn by fiery horses, came down and separated the two. Now understand this. <laughs> I know we sing that song. Or no, we don't sing it. I've heard it. Swing low, sweet chariot. The chariot and the horses is not what took Elijah. It, just, it was used to separate them. It was the whirlwind that carried them away. It was a hurricane, basically, that, 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 that took them away. It wasn't the chariot nor the horses. That's what was used to separate the two. In verse 12, it says, Then Elijah and Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and, the, and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that he that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, it was divided this way and that. And Elisha crossed over. 
again, the, 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 how he addresses him, my father, my father. You could see the closeness, the, 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 the love, the respect, the tenderness that he had for Elijah. It must have been an amazing sight for sure. But that was his mentor nonetheless. He had, he had gleaned so much from him. The horses and the chariots. As, as, he, as he says, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and, the, and its horsemen, it, it represented the, 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 the power of battle. These were mighty means of, of, of warfare in that day. And he says, that was Elijah, man. He was a powerful man, a mighty man. And he was used of God, just like horses and chariots would be used in battle. What God was saying in this event was that his power was far greater than any military might. It was his power that Elijah had demonstrated throughout his life as a prophet. And it is the power that Elisha in his wisdom, valued so highly and wanted it. That's what he wanted, that power. So it says that he tore his clothes, but he took the mantle. Now, it's not like Elijah threw it down at him. I believe the Lord took it from him and gave it to him. And he passed the mantle over. He gave it to a man who was willing to go the distance. He gave it to a man who was willing to sacrifice. He gave it to a man who was willing to learn from an older man. He gave it to a man who was willing to go and do the work that his mentor had been doing. He gave it to a man who would take charge of the nation of Israel. What an amazing story. And as we close up, as we read... The next portions in verse 15 to 22, it says, Now when the sons of prophet who were, f- who were from Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. And they said to him, Look now, there are 50 strong men with your servants. Please let us go and search for your master. Lest perhaps the Spirit of the Lord has taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or on some valley. And he said, You shall not send anyone. But when they urged him till he was shamed, ashamed, he said, Send them. Therefore they sent fifty men And they searched for three days, but did not find him. And when they came back to him, for he had stayed in Jericho, he said to them, Did I not say to you, do not go? Then the men of the city said to Elisha, Please notice the situation uh, of of this city is pleasant, but my Lord sees... But the water is bad and the ground barren. And he said, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. And he went out to the source of the water and cast the salt there and said, thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. So they 
So it, from, from it there shall be no more death nor barrenness. So the water remained healed to this day according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. And so these men want to go find him just in case the Lord dropped them off somewhere and they came up empty. He could have said, see, I told you so, but he says, I told you, it's, he's gone. And so as he's in Jericho, the elders, they come to him and they say, hey, man, notice that our water, I mean, it's a beautiful place, beautiful site, all this stuff, but we have bad water. And you could have the best of everything, but if the water's bitter and bad, there's death and there's destruction, even for the crops. And so they come to him and say, hey, man, do you see what's going on? He says, bring me a new bowl and some salt. And I love the fact that, again, man, we've studied a few weeks ago about being the salt of the earth and how God has called us to be salt. And it's used for purification and, 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 and things like that. And here he's saying, bring me a new bowl. And that new bowl represented him. There was a new prophet in town. And God was going to be using him because now he had the mantle. Bring me a new bowl and salt. And all he did was throw it in the water. Now, usually salt in water doesn't taste all that good, but it made it healed. It. And so we begin to see that God is beginning to use him. And in a powerful way, right off the bat, all of a sudden he's making, he's doing these miracles like Elijah was doing. Again, just kind of gaining their respect. And then at the end here, in verse 23, it says, Then he went up from there to Bethel. Again, another 15 miles west. And as he was going up the road, some youth came from the city and mocked him and said to him, Go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. So he turned around and looked at them and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two female bears came out of the woods and mauled the 42 of the youth. And he went from there to Mount Carmel. And from there, he returned to Samaria. What an, what an interesting turn of event. Here he's in Jericho and he is getting this respect from these guys. They've bowed down to him. They come and they're saying, hey, please heal our, our water. And he does that. And as he's walking back, these punks, and by youth, it's not like teenagers. For the most part, they're from anywhere from teenagers to 30 And they're mocking him. Now, apparently, God is no respecter of persons because, again, you know, here we have Elijah, who was just a hairy man. (laughs) And then we have Elisha, who's bald-headed. It's like, I'll take whatever. As long as you're available. If you have a lot of hair, if you're bald-headed, I'll use anybody. But but it was it was it was a shame what these guys were doing. They were disrespecting this man. And when they're saying when they're they're saying to him, "Go up, go up," they're saying, "Hey, why don't you leave like like Elisha left? We don't need you." So it's quite possible that these youth they were kind of from from the the prophets of Baal or some false prophets that were coming around and they're mocking this man of God. Now, don't get me wrong, as I'm looking at this, I kind of enjoy this next part where he pronounces a curse on these punks. And all of a sudden, and, and again, he didn't curse at them. He just pronounced it a curse. And all of a sudden, these two female bears, these mama bears, they come out. 
doesn't say that he killed that that they killed them. They they just got mauled for disrespecting. But it was not just disrespecting Elisha. They were disrespecting the Lord. And that's what Elijah said. I mean, he could have probably said, it's so on bald-headed, so what? I don't have to wash my hair. I mean, there's some benefits to that from what I understand. But, but they were disrespecting the Lord. And that's why he pronounced a curse on them. And so what we see here as we close off is the fact that God is so powerful. We see these miracles time and time again that, that, that we have Elijah, who is such a powerful prophet, one of the most powerful, mightiest prophets of Israel. And he has a protege with him who's bald, hanging out with him. And he teaches them everything. And he, and he asks them, hey, why don't you stay here? And he's going, no, I wouldn't miss it for the world to be with you, to hang out with you, to glean from you what the Lord has for me, from you. And so God uses one man to pour into another man. And as much as, man, we, we love to see younger cats rise up and be used in a powerful way, the Lord also needs older men to teach the younger. Same thing with older women, teaching the younger women how things are done. And so I'm excited to see what God's going to do in this man's life. You know, I've read the stories, but... But man, he's going to do miracle after miracle. Why? He's taking the mantle. He wasn't afraid. He didn't go, I don't want that. I don't want that responsibility. Because a lot of people are like, oh, I just want to come and do this. And people go, hey, why don't you be used and do this? Like, oh. It's like, man, step in there. See what God does. Pick up the mantle and see what God does in your life, in your home, at your job, within the church, in our community. Pick up the mantle. Say, Lord, what do you want from me? And I can guarantee you, man, he will part the sea for you. He will part the rivers for you. He will hear your prayers when you want to curse someone. I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) But he will use you to heal people's lives, to minister in powerful ways. He really will. Amen? Let's stand. Father, we thank you and praise you for tonight. We do ask, God, that you would... Continue to go before us, Lord, as we learn these stories from your word. Powerful, Lord. As we see how you used men (laughs) and how you intervened in their lives, Lord God. How you used them to minister to other people. How you used one older man to teach a younger man that he might take the mantle and be used in a powerful way. And I pray, God, that you would use us as a church to do that with one another, Lord. I thank you for all the men, all the women, Lord God, who have you, you've been using for years that have, have so much to offer other people, and yet they haven't. And I pray that you would stretch them to reach out, Lord. I pray for the younger people in our church as well, Lord, that they would glean, that they would ask the older people, hey, teach me what it means to walk with you. And so, Lord, I just thank you for a story like this. That's so true, so amazing, Lord. Go with us now, we ask, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.